Today is the last message on time for a while. And some of you are saying it's about time. How many of these, Curtis, can you put together? Today you're getting the leftovers. All right, a little bit of leftovers. Um, this is some additional notes that I had on time. I threw them together, but you know, I want you to know we, we don't survive on yesterday's bread. It's going to be fresh manna for us today. This is how God's pouring it into us. So let's go to him in a word of prayer, and let's watch what he does this morning. Father God, we thank you for this, your day, this time, a time that, that uh, you've given us to be together, a time to worship together, a time to uh, impart into one another your word. Father, a, a time of worshiping together. Lord God, you are good. You are gracious. You are merciful. You are holy. You are righteous. Lord, we are so fortunate to be given this day, a day that is a gift from you, a day that we will never see again. And here we are together in your eternal destiny for e in eternity, Lord, doing eternal things today. Thank you for this day. Today is the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we jump in, Billy Graham once said, he said these words, he said, from the moment we are born, we start to die. Each human being has the same number of hours in a day. If you live to be 70, your first 15 years are childhood through adolescent. We spend the next 20 years attempting to find out what we're going to be, who we're going to be, possibly what we'll become. And then the last five years, we spend oftentimes with physical limitations. You only basically have 30 years to live, is what Billy Graham says. And he said, all that time is spent working, is spent eating, and income tax. Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture today? Now, this is King Solomon. This is going to sound familiar. This is from last week's message as far as the scripture that we used, but I didn't finish everything. I didn't have enough time to finish everything. So today, we just extended a little bit longer. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to uh, and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. You may be seated. So today as we get started, I, I want to just kind of cover a couple of places that I went last week so that we can bring you up to speed if you weren't here last week and, and you can kind of see where we'll be going today. Cause last week I talked about God has your canopy in this thing we know is time. It takes faith to believe that God is true, that God created us and he created us for his good out of his good work, out of his pleasure. He created us or identity needs to be found in the one who created us. Matter of fact, um, we are the clay in the potter's hands. It's not the other way around. And this is what, unfortunately, many believers have done today, pro proclaimed believers. They want a God that they can create, a God that they make, uh, a God that they can be the potter and he can be the clay. But that's not the way it is here. God created us with his purpose in mind. We are his creation. And so he is really our canopy. When we come to Christ, 
God becomes our canopy, if you will. But we have a choice of how we spend or invest that time as we're going through the air, if you will, as we're going through life. And so there's no doubt I used the illustration of me going skydiving uh, back when I was in the military and what that looked like. Uh, it was, it was uh, uh, a little bit um, scary, and, and it took a lot of faith to jump, right? I had to believe that God was going to breathe something into that wing that I was flying under or else, uh, you know, I think it's Winston Churchill, he said these words. He said, you do not need a parachute to skydive. Uh, you only need a paradi- uh, parachute to skydive twice. And so that's the thing with life. We only get one chance with life. That's it. That's it. And what we do with this time is very important. The other thing I spoke about last week was the ground approaches faster than you think. There's no doubt when we jump, we think we have some time, but it matters what you do in the air. The better decisions you make in the air, the better your landing is going to be. The better decision you make with your time, the more you invest instead of spend your time here on this earth, the better your landing is going to be, church. And then finally, we spoke of the landing zone, the landing zone, the target, the goal, the prize, the desire achieved, whatever whatever that may be for you. The Apostle Paul stated it this way. He said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. In other words, the Apostle Paul has said, I have, I have invested my time on bringing God's kingdom here upon this earth. Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world. And make disciples, teaching, baptizing, all of these things. And then what does Jesus say? And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, that he is with us as we do this to go into all the world and make disciples. And the apostle Paul saying, hey, that was my landing. That was my goal. And in the end, he goes on to say, we all want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That is time that is not well spent, that is time that's invested, church. It's a great investment to know where and when and who is in charge of your time. King Solomon, when he wrote this, it's, it's interesting. King Solomon, I spoke of him last week and a couple of things. Solomon did really well up until he was 40 years of age. Alice and I were talking this week and uh, she said, you know, you just seem to be grumpy even when you get up. I said, well, you understand I have more challenges today to get up. That's, that's just part of it. When, when you're 25, you bounce. I mean, you jump out of that plane, you're like, whatever. I'll bounce if I hit, right? But then when you jump out of bed at 50, it's like, ow. And you're dealing with more things you got to cast off before you even get started. And some of you tell me, I didn't even know what's coming. That's <laughs> got an amen from the front row. But this is, this is kind of where King Solomon was. And so uh, Solomon, he, he knows all of this, but he doesn't end well. He doesn't land well. Verse 14, he says, I know that everything God does will endure. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it. What is King Solomon talking about here? He's making a point that God's time is eternal. What God does is for eternity. He goes on to say, eternity has been placed in every man's heart. If you continue to read. 
And so we all have this, whether you're a believer or non-believer, whether you're, you're just floating through the air or falling through the sky, whatever it is, you have this thing that says eternity in your heart because God placed it there for believers and non-believers. But it makes a difference with the choices that you make in this thing that we call life and this thing that we have time in. Now, notice that King Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he doesn't say everything that we do will endure forever. He says everything that God does endures forever. So it would make sense that with the time that we have in this life and the things that we want to be eternal, we would spend them on, or let me say this, invest them in God's time. So if I were to ask you this morning, church, what does that look like in your life? Now, some of you, I'm telling you right now, you just go on God's time. I just see you. You just fire out of there like a rocket, and you're saying, oh, I got this. I got to go, and I'm doing this, and I'm, and you're not trying to do it to be accepted by God. You're saying, this is the call and the will of God in my life. has nothing to do with acceptance. This is what I was created to do. This is who I was created to become, become so this is the direction that I'm going, and it's all going to be eternal simply because I'm doing this in God's time with him, with God. You see, we've spoken about this throughout this series. But you know, so oftentimes in our churches, we miss it today. The American church has, has come to this place of saying, God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Instead of realizing that God is in you. God is in us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with the time that we have throughout all kingdoms and build his kingdom with and in the church. And we have neglected that church is no longer a priority. If we can get there on Sunday, we'll get there on Sunday. But is church something that God created in his time that will endure forever? It's a question we need to ask ourselves because we really have created a God that is just for us, for us, for us, for us, for us. And what that means is, is that I am the king of my kingdom. And we've not submitted or surrendered ourselves to really the call in the time that he's given us. It's his kingdom that endures forever is the point that King Solomon is making. See, where's the humility? Uh, I was told here a while back, a uh, gentleman and I were talking about God and the greatness of God, the greatness of God's word, how God's word never returns to him void. And he said, you know, Curtis, God is bound by his word. And that is a bold statement. I mean, if God is not the God of his word, then he's not God at all. It's a bold statement, but we've come to, uh, we, we've become, I guess I want to say, too comfortable with God. And we say things like that, that God is bound to his word. Can I say this? God is not bound to your interpretation of his word. Oh, my goodness. I better, I better keep, I better move on. But if we're not careful, we will build our kingdoms because after all, that is what this is all about. And we don't consider the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God coming upon this earth. He's for me, and he better be there when I need him. No, I think we ought to say, look, he's in me, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple of the Holy Spirit is where we submit and surrender our wills, our desires, our wants to his wills, his desires, his wants to what he created us to be in the time that we have.
Can I say something, church? God wants us for eternity. Not just temporal. Not something that's here today, gone tomorrow. Not something that's just remembered for another 50 years after we're gone. He wants us. That's why he's given to us for eternity. You know, the tension in this message is simply this. Whose time are we on? Church in American culture has no doubt become secondary. It's me and my Jesus. We're good. Oh, I've heard that so many times. We're good. We don't need the church to get to heaven. Hmm. We, we have our activities. We know what we are doing. We have a good family. Leave me alone. Right? If we're not careful, we'll create a God, an idol of our opinions. And what happens is when we hit, we don't hit our target. We hit hard. Look, Solomon did not. He knew. He knew. And yet he did not land well. The wisest man on the earth with all the wisdom that he had asked for and God granted him that wisdom, he did not end well. What happened? He knew the right things to say. He didn't know in the right ways to live. Or let me say, he chose not to live in the right ways. You know, the church Think with me about the church for just a minute and the eternal stature of the church. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus turns and looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you are the rocket which I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail over it. Now, the gates of Hades, gates in that day and time, of course, let people in and out. Gates were also a place in the city. They weren't always on the outside of the city. Many times they were on the inner city and it's where the the wisdom of the community came together. And so you had elders that would come, you had um, leaders, different leaders that would come and they would gather and they would talk about um, the future of their city. They would also talk about uh, how to, to uh, expand their city and make decisions upon those things. And here uh, Jesus says, Peter, you're the rock at which I will build my church in the gates of Hades, that there are gates, there are uh, there is Satan and his minions, if you will, and they like to gather together because their main point is deception and even deceive believers who think they have it all right. But this is what he says. My church has nothing to worry about in that way. Why? Because Jesus is raised from the dead And he has empowered the church to expand and take his kingdom out into the world. And so in that is is what we are talking about, our victory in Jesus, a time well spent. If the church were not eternal in God's eyes, if it were not important in God's eyes, Jesus would never have, have appointed the church as his bride. The Apostle Paul reminds us that that we are the very bride of Christ, that we're being made without spot or wrinkle. Relationships are so important to this church. Our relationship in the vertical and our relationships in the horizontal. Why? Because it's through our relationships that our character are forged into what we are supposed to be in this life. I can tell you this, I do good when I'm by myself. I get mad, I fight, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. 
I go out and I, I think, you know, uh, man, I, I don't have to listen to the voices today. I don't have to think about this one who's sick, this one that's in the hospital. Prayer. I really don't think that. I just get away and, and I'll work with my hands. I'll go to the farm or whatever it may be. But the truth is, I will never become what I was made to be if it were left up to me. I will never know the fulfilled life outside of my life being given to him in the time that I have, which is very limited. I mean, there's an interesting dichotomy of Christian belief out there. Some would say we need the world to get worse so that I can be raptured out of here and go to his kingdom. Some believe that. I just, because I'm a biblical Christian, and I've been taught that God's a God of escapism. So when things get so bad and so ugly in this world, it just means that Jesus is coming to rapture me and suck me out of here to go to his kingdom. And we forget that Jesus said, but when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We forget that we are the victors. That Satan is defeated. And to be on God's time and know that God's time endures forever, as King Solomon's saying, it means that we have an opportunity to be the light among the lost, among the darkness. That's what he's called us to be, to expand his kingdom. So in this dichotomy of belief, some are waiting to be raptured out, so they're just waiting, they're just complacent, while others would say we need to bring the kingdom of God to earth. On earth as it is in heaven, for God so loved the world that he gave, and we too should give ourselves. Jesus is coming back, but is he coming back to your kingdom or to his? That's the importance of the time that we have. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And when he talks about these things, I mean, you can take that as far. I mean, in the original text, he's talking about my provision. I'll supply all your needs, my fulfillment, what you were created to be and to become in your life. So important, church, that we see this. There was a train back in the late 1800s. It was always late. It finally arrived on time for the first time in a long time. And a passenger was so excited, he started handing out cigars to everyone in celebration. But the conductor couldn't and wouldn't take one. When they asked him why, he stated, this is yesterday's train. <laughs> I don't even know why I shared that. <laughs> Other than it's the wrong time. Right? And, and, and there was someone who knew it. And because he knew it, he wouldn't celebrate in it or with it. Look, the oldest of, of us won't live long. God already knows our days, it's set. It is appointed for a man to die, and after that, the judgment. We all have the same disease. It's called sin. Rich people cannot buy more hours. Scientists can't change time. The Bible states to redeem the time for the, de for the days are evil. Some people attempt to tie their time, 10% of our time for Bible study and prayer. We've invented all kinds of things to save time, and we have less time than we ever did before. One of my favorite books to read is uh, years ago was autobiography of uh, Peter Cartwright. And it's interesting, Peter Cartwright was a circuit rider back 
uh, in the day in, in the seven, late 1700s, early 1800s, and he, he, he rides a horse, and he's constantly on this horse going horseback, and, it's, and he just documents everything. He's, he's a hilarious guy to read because he wasn't just a, an average preacher. He was a fighter. He talks about one particular time when he was preaching a revival, and there was a tavern nearby, and these guys in the tavern got drunk, and they came over, and they started snapping their whips over the people, and the people started scattering out of the revival. He talks about, I began to tell my ushers, go and subdue those men, subdue those men, and they would not do it. He said, so I myself went and yanked one down and began to pound his chest, is how he wrote it, while singing, all hell the power of Jesus' name. (laughs) These guys were tough, but you know, in their day and time, the fastest they could go was horseback. And you know what they use their time to do? To spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, in Jesus' day and time, the fastest they could go was horseback. And what did they do? Horse and buggy. Whatever it takes to get the gospel out. Ship, wind, and sail. I started this message series with something simple. Something something easy to understand. Psalm 31. My times are in your hands. That's where our time is supposed to be because that's where it's invested. It's amazing to me that we've not won the world nor set up God's kingdom in this world when today we can travel at 2,000 miles per hour. We're not in the same day and time. Communication goes out faster than it's ever gone out before. But what do we do with that communication? Is it a waste of our time? Is it an expense of the time that God has given us? Or is it an investment? in what God has given us. You see, our culture has convinced us to put some things secondary. Why worry about building his kingdom? He's just going to rapture us out of here one day. (laughs) Careful. I'm saved, so what does anything else matter? If I'm saved, I'm good. I don't think that's what, what Jesus was talking about when he came to save and seek that which was lost. Yeah, he did that, but why did he do that? So that he, so that the church would be established, so that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. You see, we've got an all about me American gospel that we're, that's, that's really robbing and stealing time that God has given us to bring his kingdom in, to usher in his kingdom. The gospel, it's, it's, I would say this. America has reduced the gospel to a prayer to go to heaven so many times. But that's not even the gospel. The gospel is man, take the will out of your hand and put it into God's. Let Jesus come into you and live your life in a brand new place. The image of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, a representative of the Father. Jesus said, follow me. This life is not just help me, oh God. Help me make more money. Help me get a better job. Help me do the things I want to do. Help me to live the blessed life. He modeled the life we are to follow. We live a life of God for you, God for you. But we need to start living, church, a life of God in you. This is who he is. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Why would he do that? So that we would be transforming agents into the cultures that we serve so that we would be light unto the lost with the times that he's given us. Church, one of the things that 
King Solomon had to live through, and we watch it play out in his life, is that seasons change. Seasons change. They just do. And Jesus came to give us life and give us life abundantly. And too many of us say, preacher, you just don't understand. I need a God that is all into me. I need a God that is all for me. I need a God that is all about me. And that is true. But he was and he is. He gave his life for you. And yet he doesn't expect you to stay in that place. Why, Why do your circumstances have to change in order for you to change? That's what we're saying. A God for me, but, but God, you need to do this for me. See, what we're saying is, in order for me to change, my circumstances must, must change. What if God just gave you faith for the circumstances? Because when you have faith for the circumstances, you become a witness through your circumstance. The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, it becomes your testimony. See, too many times we raise our situation above my preaching. I would ask that question, why do we raise our circumstances above the preacher's preaching? Well, you just don't understand. You don't get it. I don't. But Jesus does. And that's what's important. Seasons changed. King Solomon understood that seasons changed. He experienced that seasons changed. He experienced that he got older. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. Some people, some relationships, some opportunities, let me say something, need to be seasonal in your life and you need to be okay with that. I'm about to give you permission here because some of us are wasting time holding on to what we should let go of. Your season is over. It's through and that's okay. Seasons change. King Solomon missed something in his life. He didn't know when to let go. You can't have a new season until you let the one you currently have go. For some of us this morning, it may be time to let a season, a theology, a false idol go. It needs to die. There is a time to live and a time to die. Let it die. It may be time to uproot a relationship in your life that is not producing fruit. That's okay. A time to tear down walls that have you entrapped and have kept you out of relationship. For many of you, it may be time to be born, to be born again. It's time. Today is the day of salvation. For others, a time to plant and a time to build. No more drifting. It's time to plant and it's a time to build. No more going here and there but saying, I am here and we are going to plant and we are going to build and we are going to disciple and we are going to get a vision of victory, not a vision of being victims, but a vision of victory and we are going to bring his kingdom throughout this earth. Oh my goodness, church. If we only knew greater is he that is in us and what he desires to do. You know, what season do you want to let go of and walk into for 2023? You know, timing is everything. Look, some of you have the right bat, but you're simply swinging at the wrong time. That's just life, right? 
You can be right in what you said, but wrong when you say it. You've never experienced that, have you? Sometimes I think that's going on right now. <laughs> but you can be right, but wrong time. Timing is everything. It's everything. See, it's, it's, it's not just that you can play the notes. It's not that you can just play the music. You must be able to keep time. The Apostle Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the childhood things behind me. Is it time to put childish things away? There's an appointed time for everything. Ask the Lord. Seek His kingdom first and watch what He reveals to you as you walk in His eternal time. A time to plant. One of my favorite messages. Matter of fact, I may go to it this next week. See time and harvest. I don't know that we can hear that message enough. You got to plant a seed. You know, if we never plant a seed, we will never experience the plant. Uh, God really convicted us of this throughout the years in raising our children, making sure that they understood that the Word of God is the seed of God. That, that daily we need to be getting the Word in our children. Just believing that God's going to manifest that. He's going to water it. He's going to fertilize it. He's going to put things on that and it's going to grow. And, we're, and, and they will be producers in the kingdom of God. You see, a Chinese proverb states it this way, blessed are those who plant trees under whose, under whose shade they will never sit. Now you say, why are you quoting a Chinese proverb? Truth is truth, but it's not the same measure of truth. But, but it's a good proverb in the sense that we can understand something. Blessed is the man who plants a seed for a tree that will provide shade for whom he'll never sit under. Blessed is the one who sows a seed, two, three, ten chairs in a place that he may never get to experience. And yet in the same token, the next generation will take on the kingdom of God. See, Jesus speaks of a farmer who went out to plant a seed. Some of it fell on the side of the road, some of it on rocky soil, others among the tares, and some in good soil. And the seed is this word of God. And in 2023, we should have a record year of planting and harvesting church. Now, it is naive to think that the planning of good exempts us from the presence of bad. Some of us need to write that statement down. It is naive to think that the planning of good exempts you, exempts you from the presence of bad. It doesn't. Just because the weed is planted does not mean that there are weeds that are not going to come up as well. If you're waiting for the presence of bad to be gone before you get started, you'll have a problem. You'll never plant the seed. It doesn't mean that you're perfect when you read the Word of God to your children. They're going to know your imperfections, but what you have the opportunity to do is say, this is perfect. I'm turning you to the one who is perfect. So plant plant. No one succeeds accidentally. No one wins the prize accidentally. What you do in the air will determine your landing. What you do in life determines your landing. See, the intention of sowing the seed is that I might have wheat in order to one day have bread, but that's going to take time. It might take time to see the fruit. Can I tell you a little story by myself? Years ago, uh, when we were in Wolforth, we lived in what's known as a parsonage. Now, some of y'all think that's a bird. It's not. It's actually, it's actually a home that the church has paid for. 
and you and you agree when you come to pastor the church to live in this house known as a parsonage. And we were in that house, and uh, our kids were all little. Matter of fact, we hadn't had the fourth yet. We just we just had three, and it was Christmas time. We're sitting around the Christmas tree, and I got so frustrated. I had y'all seen the little rings that you do a little devotional with your kids, and you make a ring, and it's red, and then and then. Uh, you do another devotional and you, and you make a ring and it's green and you finally make a chain and the chain goes all the way around the tree and you do one for like 30 days or one for like 45 days until you have a chain that has a scripture all the way. Okay, I was doing the rings. And I'm sitting there on the floor and I'm thinking this is the biggest waste of time. I got so mad. And I just set everything down and said, we're not doing this anymore. It's about the fifth lesson. Nobody heard anything. My kids were this big. You know, they're, they're little bitty. And I'm like, give me what you think on this. And they're like, Daddy, I don't even know what, you know, can I sit in your lap? And I'm just like, I'm wasting my time. But do you know how rewarding it is when I hear one of my children say, but the Word of God says. You, you don't always see it. It takes time. You're never wasting your time when you're on God's time. Because God's time is eternal. See, there's no doubt there's the tyranny of time, and most of us understand it. It moves quickly. It frustrates us. Time can be our tool, or we can be its slave. The only way for it to be our tool is for us to be on God's time, for God's time is eternal. Adele Stevenson said, It's not the days in your life, but the life in your days that count. Will to have life in your days, go to the one who gave you life. Our lives should be carefully planned. Time is short, according to 1 Corinthians, no doubt. Revelation states that time shall be no more one day. Jesus tells us to discern the signs of the times. When the roll is called up yonder, church, will we be there? The fact that time is short, it's time to do something about it. To be on God's eternal time is what Solomon wanted to teach and tell his people. Make a decision for Christ. It may be time for you to be born now. Forgiveness, you should give, and you should give it now. You don't know if you have tomorrow. The Scripture tells us, uh, you know, we say we're going to do this tomorrow and this tomorrow and this tomorrow, and the Apostle Paul just reminds us if, if God wills. So do it now. Neighbors that you need to witness to, witness to now. Phone calls that you need to make, make them now. Money that should be given, give it now. Full state that there is plenty of time. And let me say something, church, the devil says that too. If he's whispering that in your ear. You don't get to jump twice in this life. You get one time. One chance. One opportunity. Church, would you please stand? I'm going to ask the altar team if they'd make their way forward this morning. The Apostle Paul tells the church at Corinth in chapter 6, verse 2, he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in, a, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So church, your time coming to God's time is this time. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to invite you to come forward. Jesus said, acknowledge me before man. I will acknowledge you before the Father. Jesus is the great mediator between us and God Himself. And He has demonstrated His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, He died for us, proving His love for us. 
And so I want to encourage you, start there. He is the potter, we are the clay. He determines you for His plan, for His purpose. And church, you, that will be revealed to you when you decide to get on His time and say, Lord, I'm no longer mine. I'm yours. Do with me what you will with the time that I have. For these are your times. I was created for your purpose. So we have that invitation for you to come forward this morning. We also have the invitation for the prayers of the saints to be manifested with an expectation through faith that you could be healed. Let me say it this way. You will be healed. Not that you could be, that you will be. And that's why they're up here. We're here to pray for you in any way. It can be a prayer of celebration. I'm on God's time. And I saw him move in my life uh, just this week in these ways. And I want to just affirm that and thank God. We'll get with somebody and celebrate because Jesus has called us together where two or more are gathered. They're his in our midst. So we're here for him to be in our midst. Father God, thank you for this, your time, for this, your church. Raise us up as the saints of God. In Jesus' name, amen.